morning and welcome to everyone here in the church this morning, along with those that are listening on the radio and watching on Facebook Live. What a wonderful Sunday morning, uh, first, first Sunday of spring. It sure looks like it's going to be a nice one. Start this morning with a few announcements before we start our worship. It's a congregational meeting to approve the purchase of a new soundboard and associated items immediately after worship service this morning. The Lenten Bible study will not meet tonight and will resume next Sunday, the 28th. The Monday night women's Bible study will start a new study called Jenny Allen. Get out of of your head on Monday, March 29th at Maria Lammers house. You can see all the details in the bulletin. Give Maria a call for more information or to sign up. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday and also the day that our eighth grade students confirm what they believe about their faith. There will be a palm parade at the beginning of the service. All Sunday school children are invited to meet at the water fountain in the basement next Sunday before worship. And one last announcement is I get to announce the birth of my new grandson, August David, that happened yesterday morning. Everyone's doing great. Grandchildren are a real blessing. Let's start this morning's worship by standing, and I'll read the call to worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such, great, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you now will not grow weary and lose heart. We will continue to stand and sing our first praise song, Build My Life.
Now we will invite the children to come forward for children's chat with Carolyn. Somebody sit up here. Here, come over here and sit on this side. Yeah. Don't sit on my, can't sit on the, nip up, up. Oh, there we go. we got to have my... Yardsticks out there. This is kind of a skinny yardstick. When I was growing up, I thought they were about two inches thick. Huh? What do we use yardsticks for? Measuring. Measuring? Oh, gosh. Not at my house when I was growing up. <laughs> Can you all see? Come over here. Gotta come over here. This one's thicker. That's more like it. Come closer because you have to see the golf balls. Okay, we're going to talk about really putting a good effort in. What does that mean? Really want to try hard to learn something. Yeah, well, Jesus will help you, won't he, huh? If I want to really learn how to tie my shoes, what do I have to do? If I want to learn to tie my shoes, you guys all have Velcro on. You have to take my hands, and what would I have to do? I have to... Tie. And if it doesn't work the first time, what do I have to do again? Try again. Try again. And again. And then I ask mom for Velcro. Right? Is that what it takes? Okay. And if you want to play piano, what do you have to do there? Play with your fingers. And you have to practice and practice and practice, don't we? And practice. Now, if you want to play soccer, what do you have to do there? Practice and practice. So if you get tired of practicing, do you just quit? No. you got to keep on going. That's called putting an effort into it. Yeah, yeah. I have golf balls. I have never purchased golf balls before, so I think I'll have to give them to Sam back there later on. I'm going to put 10 of them up here. Okay, can you all see? Okay, we're going to put 10 of them up here. We're going to be putting them between the yardsticks because people at home probably can't see them. Okay, now, you watch them. If I use one golf ball, well, come back here. Stay right there. Yeah, I don't think the floor is level. Hmm. One golf ball. If This is a little effort, okay? So if I give a little effort here, how many golf balls moved? One. One. Okay, you want to hand me that golf ball? Now, if I use two of them and put twice the effort in what I'm learning to do or whatever, what's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Two balls. Well, let's see. Two of them. Cool. Well, he doesn't count. He didn't know enough to stay there. Okay. 
Now, if I do three things, if I do three times the effort, which means I don't get tired, I don't give up, what do you think is going to happen then? Three of them, you think? Let's see. Oh. <laughs> Oops. Here, scoot back. We'll blame it on your dress. <gasps> Three of them. Yay. So what does that tell us to do? We have to keep on trying. So if we want to be a really, really strong Christian, that means we have to try day after day after day and not get tired of that. And how do we do? Our effort could be reading our Bible more, and it could be praying for our family and friends and those who are sick, and it could be serving others. And the more that we do for Jesus, the better we know him, and the more blessings we have, and we'll be a strong Christian. But if we don't, and we get tired, and we get real wimpy, what's going to happen? Balls aren't going to move, are they? And I'm not going to know Jesus as well as I should. So, remember that. Think about that real hard. You listen to the lesson today, because Paul talks about not going, growing weary and continue to do good things. Okay? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children and help them to continue to put effort into their lives so they can have the most out of them in your name. Help them to love others and be your forever friends and do what you ask them to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Praise God. Thank you, choir. Thank you, choir. Just a couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating Easter Sunday. Uh, two weeks from this morning is our opportunity as a church family to gather together to worship our risen Savior, to celebrate the resurrection, and looking forward to, to doing it that day. And the choir has been working very hard the last few months preparing for that morning and looking forward to what they have to offer us that day as well. But uh, this, this morning as well was definitely a blessing and a reminder of the impact that Christ has on our lives as individuals, right? Because of his death, because of his resurrection, we have hope to look forward to. We have experienced grace because of what he's done for us. Uh, definitely a wonderful message for this morning. Praise God for that. I want to encourage you to, as we begin to turn our attention to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to lift up our prayers and concerns list uh, that is represented in your bulletin. There's much to be praying for, both represented there and elsewhere. Uh, you may have needs your own uh, that, that you want to lift up to the Lord to, this morning. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, let's think of those things, not just what's represented here, but also what may be on your heart and your mind. And as we pray together, it's an opportunity for us to lift up those concerns, whether spoken out loud or just in the stillness of our heart, to the Lord. So let's do that together this morning. Our offering this morning does go to support Doug and Kathy McLean and their ministry in Germany. I want to encourage you, any offering that is collected this morning will go to support them. Uh, not only are they uh, missionaries serving in Germany, but they're also, they also have some local connections. And many of you know Doug and Kathy, and, uh, and this is a great opportunity for us to support them in their mission, in their mission work. So our offering this morning does support their ministry. Uh, with that in mind, let's, let's continue to worship the God worship God together. Our song this morning is As the Deer, the words are printed in your bulletin. I invite you to stand and join us as we worship Him.
Let's pray together. Lord God, You are our heart's desire. You are the one that we've gathered here this morning to worship, to lift up in, in praise and thanksgiving, because You certainly deserve it. Lord, the words from this song that we just sang came from Psalm 42. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for You, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, and while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Lord, we often face times where we are downcast, where we are discouraged, where we carry heavy burdens and we don't know what to do with them ourselves. And the words of this song and the words of Scripture remind us that we can come to You and lay down our burdens at Your feet. That as our soul longs for You, Lord, You promise to satisfy us. You promise to meet us in those moments. Because You are the desire of our heart. You are the one that we long for. As much as we may think we desire things of this world, as long as much as we may think we desire other things, Lord, You are the one true desire that all of our hearts have. Lord Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, You said that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Lord, we long for You. We, we desire to know You personally. We desire for our family, our friends, our community, our nation, our world to know you. And Lord, we pray that you would satisfy that desire of our hearts, that we would know you in a real way and experience your grace and your mercy anew each morning. And even when we feel downcast, even when we feel discouraged, we know that we can put our hope in you. We can praise you because no matter what we face, you are our Savior and our God. And so with that in mind, we lift up these, these concerns to you today, Lord. The names that are in our bulletin and the situations they represent. May your will be done in each of those situations. Lord, we trust that you and your will is what's best for us. And so we, we entrust ourselves to your care. Lord, sometimes our, our vision and our perspective is short-sighted. And we don't always see things the way that we should. So where we are doubting, we ask that you would help us to have faith. Where we are uncertain, we pray that you would give us boldness and confidence in your presence and in your perfect will. And where we are lacking, Lord, we ask that you would provide in whatever means that you see fit. And so we lift up all these things in the name of Jesus who supplies all of our needs, who meets all of our needs and satisfies our deepest longings. We pray in His name as He taught His disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated.
This morning's scripture reading comes from Galatians 6, verses 1 through 10. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Once again, I ask you to pray with me. Father God, as we open up your word now, we pray that you would guide our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me words to speak. And I pray, Lord, that we would not only reflect um, here in, in what your word has to say, but also help us to live it out when we go from this place. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This week on Facebook, I saw uh, an acquaintance of mine from seminary uh, announced that they were leaving the ministry. Um, it's always sad to see posts like that. They've been serving as a pastor at a, at a church in northeast Ohio for the last five or seven years. And they made the announcement that they were stepping aside in order to uh, pursue other things. They felt like God was no longer uh, calling them into that particular ministry and was looking forward to see what next step in that journey that God was calling them to. Now, as I saw that post, you know, it was a little disheartening, it was a little discouraging, but it reminded me of a conversation that we had while we were in seminary. We took a class called pastoral care, um, or uh, something along those lines. I'm drawing a blank on the exact name of the class now. Uh, but the idea wasn't necessarily how we as pastors care for others. The focus of the class was how we as pastors can care for ourselves. And it went for, you know, not just pastors, for anybody in ministry, of course. And one of the things, one of the conversations in that class really stuck out with me. And that was uh, the past, the, the professor, you know, sat us down and, and was kind of having a heart to heart about how difficult ministry can be at times. And they said that, that of those who, who pursue a degree in ministry or pursue a career in ministry, only about 5% of those who, who start actually make it to retirement age. The other 95% or so, at, for one reason or another, you know, leave the ministry, pursue other jobs. Maybe they, they leave pastoral ministry and they pursue some other sort of work, which is, of course, uh, you know, something God may call any of us to do at any time. But only 5% of those that we were sitting in that class with, uh, the odds are that only 5% were going to reach retirement age and serving in ministry. And, and this Facebook post I saw this week was just further evidence of that reality that that sometimes right we don't finish what we started 
And as I said, there could be a variety of reasons for that. And I'm not pretending or presuming to know what was going on in this person's heart and what God may be calling them to next. There might be something even bigger and better than that particular ministry that God has in store for them. And if that's the case, then praise God for sure. But that that idea has kind of been sitting in the back of my mind as I've been preparing for this morning. We grow weary sometimes, don't we? We get discouraged. We get disheartened. And that can come in all sorts of of ways, right? And not just for people in ministry, right? Not just for those who are serving the church or serving the Lord as a missionary, right? It is true for all of us. I read a, another Facebook post. This one was from a stranger, uh, but they were talking about what it's been like to work from home this past year during the pandemic. And they said it started out working from home and it ended up that they were living at work, right? And that was a very different perspective, right? It's, and, and for those that have experienced that or some, some variety of that this past year, I'm sure that you can relate, right? What started off as maybe a novelty had certainly changed by, the, by this point uh, in our journey. Right? People grow weary. People burn out. And that's a very real thing. It's a very real effect. And it affects everyone. Right? If you don't think that you can burn out, if you don't think you can grow weary, you're only fooling yourself. It affects pastors and missionaries, but it also affects businessmen and farmers. It affects parents and teenagers at school. It affects stay-at-home parents and retirees. No one, right, no one is immune to it. I believe one of the leading causes, right, of burnout is when a person does what they feel is right, what they feel is good, when they work hard and they don't see any return on their investment, right, when they're pursuing what they feel is the right path, when they're working hard day in and day out and they don't see any results, that leads to burnout. That leads to, as Paul puts here in this passage, growing weary, right? It's disheartening, it's discouraging to repeatedly work hard and do what you think is right and then get nothing in return. So as we look at this passage today, I I couldn't help but wonder, like, what, why do we grow weary, right? Why, what is that problem there and, and what's at the root of it? And I think we see that Paul has something for us. I should say the Lord has something for us in this passage, But first, let's start by thinking, why is it that we burn out? Why do we grow weary? And I already kind of alluded to one of them, and that's that we don't see the fruit of our labor, or we don't see it in the way that we expect. Maybe that's the better way to put it. There's a famous, um, or well, I should say maybe well-known, I don't know if famous is the right word to describe a missionary, but a very well-known missionary in the 1800s by the name of George Mueller. Uh, George was an evangelist, and he was known as a person of prayer. But he also knew that God answered prayer in real and tangible ways. And so to set out to prove that God answered prayer, he started an orphanage in England. And during his lifetime, he took care of more than 10,000 orphans that passed through his homes and he got to impact personally. He also started more than 100 schools for Christian education. And as I said, he was a man of prayer. He actually kept a prayer journal and recorded all of his prayers. And then he would actually go back and, and document how God had answered them. Some of them were, were small little things, right? And some of them were things that God answered immediately or within a, a short time frame. But there are also many, many prayers in his journal that didn't have a direct answer next to it. 
I was listening to a podcast this week talking about uh, George Mueller, and they said that for over 60 years of his life, he faithfully prayed for four individuals and their salvation, that they would come to know the Lord for 60 years. It's a long time, isn't it? And shortly before his death, he got to see the answer to two of those. Two of these individuals that he was praying for, and I don't know if they were family or friends or just acquaintances. I'm not, I'm sure they're more than acquaintances if he spent 60 years praying for them. Uh, but he got to see two of them shortly before his own death come to the Lord. Um, and he was able to bear witness to that. But the other two did come to know the Lord, but it wasn't until after George Mueller passed on from this life. You know, I share that with you. You look at his life and you look at all the things that he accomplished and he did, and I'm sure that he was encouraged in many ways. But think of what it's like to spend 60 years praying for something and not seeing the answer to it. Or in his case, for two of those peoples, not seeing the answer to that prayer on this side of eternity. There's so much that we do on a regular basis, whether whether it's things of God, like we're talking about George Mueller or or more regular everyday things, that, and we don't see the immediate result of it. All right, think of all the hours that you may put in at your job, right? whatever that may be, and think of, uh, think of some of the disappointment that you've experienced there. A lack of fruit, maybe, in that position. And that's difficult, too, because sometimes you know, we have jobs that don't have immediate results or immediate feedback, right? So we don't always see the immediate result of our hard work. Remember the pastor I worked with at Huntington, his name was Steve, and he always talked about how he loved to mow his lawn. And the reason for that was he could mow his lawn and then look and see that it was done, right? He could see the finished result of his work. But that's not always the case, is it? We don't always see the immediate result, and and sometimes we have to wait and wait and wait. So it can be true of, of, of everyday things like work, but it can also be true of less tangible things. Think about your relationship with the Lord. Daily devotions, reading Scripture, praying, right? Many of us do that regularly and faithfully, and we don't always see the immediate result of it, right? We want to read a passage of Scripture and then immediately apply it to our lives and see the results right away. But that's not always the case, right? Spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness, is something that takes place over a long period of time. We may see the same sort of uh, uh, lack of fruit in our effort in raising our kids or our grandkids the right way. Right? We may not see the immediate result, the immediate fruit of it in the moment. Right? It may take years and years and decades even to see the positive result of, of raising up your kid in the Lord or raising them to be a good person. So we don't always see the fruit of our labor. A few weeks ago, I, I shared the story of the Greek myth of, of, the, of the person who was doomed, who was cursed to push a, a boulder uphill for eternity, right? And every time he got near the top, the boulder would roll back down to the bottom and he'd have to start all over again. Sometimes life feels that way, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like we're pushing a boulder uphill over and over and over again, right? And we don't see the immediate results of that hard work. It feels like we're, no matter how hard we work, we're always back at square one. We work and we work and we work and we never see the fruit of the labor. Labor, And we have to ask ourselves, we have to wonder, was it all worth it? So we don't always see the immediate fruit of our labor. The second thing is we 
is that doing good, right, doing the right thing, does not always have immediate payback. Right? We don't always see the immediate results. Right? We, we may not see the results ever, but we certainly don't see them right away most of the time. Think of what it means to eat healthy and exercise. Right? One week of eating your vegetables isn't going to make the long-term difference. Right? One week of exercising isn't going to make a big difference in your life, but it's the repeated ongoing commitment that makes the difference. Right? So, so it doesn't always have immediate payback, and so we can get discouraged because of that. And the last thing before we dive into what Paul has to say here is that we get discouraged, we grow weary because we feel like we're often all on our own. Right? We feel like we're going through this journey on our own. We're, we're working hard and nobody is there to support us or encourage us along the way. The prophet Elijah felt that way in 1 Kings 19. It's such an interesting story because Elijah had just accomplished something that most of us would look at and think was amazing. Right? He stood up for God on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal. He was all by himself and he stood up to 400 prophets of Baal and prayed and God sent fire down from heaven and, and it was this amazing experience. And God had used Elijah to prove that God was the one true God and these other gods were just nothing and false. In the very next chapter, Elijah's on the run for his life. And he's, and he's out in the wilderness uh, because he's being pursued. And he gets out there and he complains to God, right? He has the audacity to, to complain to God after all of that he just experienced. And, his, and he says, Lord, I'm the only one left. I'm all there is. There's no one else. And God responds by reminding him that there's still thousands of others in Israel that Elijah has no idea about who had not bowed their knees to these false gods. So like Elijah, we can often feel all alone, even in the midst of success, even in the midst of of good things happening in our lives, we can feel alone because we feel like we don't have others to support or encourage us. So that's why we grow weary. That's why we often are discouraged and struggle. And let's hear now what God has to say to us through Paul about those things. So in Galatians chapter 6, as Paul is wrapping up this letter, he's kind of like he does in, in many of his other letters. He's giving some practical advice in response to all the things he'd been teaching them along the way. And so here in, in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, we see a few different things. But the part I want to focus on here is the don't grow weary in doing good. You see that in uh, beginning of verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh he will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And so what's God's response in this? How does he respond to our discouragement and our weariness? First of all, he promises us that we will reap what we sow. In in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminds us that, that we will know people by their fruit. That good character, good actions produce good fruit. And that bad character, bad actions produces bad fruit. We see that in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Help if I would have cut my bookmark in the right place. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. God's word reminds us that we will bear fruit. It's just a matter of what kind of fruit we will bear. Right? Are we going to bear fruit in keeping with God's word and righteousness? Or are we going to bear fruit of our selfish decisions and attitudes? Right? That's, that's the point that Paul's making here, right? It's, it's not that we don't ever see, we'll get, we'll get here in just a moment. Our, there will be fruit from our labor, right? We may not see it right away. We may not have immediate feedback, but there, our labor, our work, our attitudes, our actions, they do bear fruit. The question is when they, when it comes and what kind of fruit it will be. So Paul reminds us, when we, when we focus on ourselves, when we focus on the flesh, which we talked about last week, is, is our sinful desires in nature. When we just make that our number one priority, we're going to reap fruit that is in line with that. The result of our life is going to be a selfish, self-centered sort of life. And you see the list of those sorts of things that Paul described in Galatians chapter 5 when he talked about the works of the flesh, right? Those are the things that you'll see in your life when you live a very self-centered kind of life. But Paul says when we do focus on the Spirit, when we do sow according to the Spirit, right, we will reap according to the Spirit as well. And we also saw that in Galatians chapter 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Those are the things that we'll reap when we plant according to the Spirit. Notice this promise here. He says, when we keep doing good, we will eventually see the fruit of our labor. He says, you will reap eternal life. Right? The result of our, of our, of our actions, the result of, of doing good and pursuing the Lord isn't always going to be material blessing or reward. We may not see tangible results, but we will reap eternal life. The reward is spiritual and eternal. We may get glimpses of it here and now, but we will certainly see it in its fullness in the next life. There's a movie from the mid-90s called Mr. Holland's Opus. I don't know if you are, any of you have seen this or are familiar with it. I don't re- remember much of the details of the movie, but the ending scene has always stuck with me. Mr. Holland was a high school music teacher, and he always felt like a failure because he never produced the symphony he'd spent most of his life working on and composing. Instead, he spent his years teaching music, never achieving the fame and success that he desired. And at the end of his career, he felt downcast and dejected. A retirement party was organized and many of his old students came back. The auditorium was full of his current and former students. And then and there, in that moment, he was shown the fruits of his labor. He didn't produce the symphony, but his love, compassion, and dedication positively impacted generations of students. As the movie says, it was those people that were his symphony. And every person that had been a student of his was better for having known him. Right? That was his opus. That was his symphony. That was his crowning achievement. Wasn't, wasn't a, the physical or material fame and reward that came with composing a symphony. It was the impact that he made on those generations of students. I believe the same is true for us. We may not always see a material or physical reward for our faithfulness, but we will have a positive impact in the lives of others and we'll see that impact in eternity. 
Because those are the things that matter. That's what lasts. It says we will reap what we sow. And if we invest our time and energy and resources in the things of this world and our fleshly desires, we'll reap accordingly. But if we invest ourselves in things of the Spirit, we will reap the fruit that lasts. In Psalm 1, we get this picture of a tree planted by streams of water. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Right? When we invest ourselves in the Lord, when we pursue him, make him our number one priority, we're like that tree planted by the streams of water. No matter what other circumstances we face, no matter what difficulties may come, we are, we are rooted deep in God's word, right? We're invested in him and, and he promises that we will be fruitful in season. And that brings me to my next point, right? When we, when we are, are, don't grow weary in doing good, we will reap a harvest. But Galatians 6 says well, it'll be reaped in its proper time, in the right season, right? It may not have those immediate that immediate feedback, but we will see the results of our labor at some point. Now, I don't typically like to bring out like the, the Greek or the Hebrew that's behind our English translations all the time because I think we can get lost in the weeds. But, but in this case, I want to make an exception. The word for, for time there and its proper time is the word kairos. Right? And there's, there's two words that our New Testament uses, that Greek uses for time. One is kairos and one is chronos. Now, you can hear chronos. There's a... There's a familiarity there, right? It's where we get the term chronology from, right? It's about a sequence of events, sequence of time. So chronology, right, is a focus on on events in their proper order, right? This happens, then this happens. But kairos is a little different. It's not so much about the sequence of events of cause and effect, but it's about like an appropriate time, the right time. And it's where sometimes we get the word like season from or opportunity, Right? It's more about, uh, more about the significance of a moment than necessarily where the event falls in a timeline. And so when Paul says we will reap what we sow, we will bear fruit in its proper time, it's that word kairos. It's, it's the appropriate season. It's the right time. It may not necessarily be cause and effect. This happens, therefore, tomorrow you will be blessed. But when you faithfully pursue God, when you serve Him, that fruit will come to bear. Right? We will be blessed as a result of it. It may be tomorrow, it may be at the end of our lives, or it may be in eternity. But we will experience that fruit of our labor in its proper time. And that's a struggle for us, right? Because we tend, to, as human beings, tend to be so focused on the here and now. We want immediate results. We want instant gratification. We put a lot of emphasis on the temporary versus the eternal. But God is reminding us that, that our focus shouldn't be on the here and now and on instant gratification, but it should be on Him and on Him in eternity, right? And what, uh, what it'll be like to be with Him forever. So we don't grow weary because we will reap what we sow. We'll reap it in its proper time. And the last thing is that we, will, we can also bear one another's burdens, 
There's this interesting exchange in the opening verses of Galatians 1, verses 1 through 6, where Paul says two different things, right? He says that, he says in verse 2, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And then in verse 5, he says, everyone should carry their own load, their own burden, right? So which is it? Do we, do we carry our own or do we expect to be helped by others? And I think the answer that we're all looking for is yes, right? That's, that's the answer that Scripture is going with here. Yes, we have a responsibility to, to carry our own burdens, right? We have ex, a, a responsibility to, to, to continue to work hard both you know, in an everyday sense, but also from a spiritual perspective by continuing to pursue Christ and be led by the Spirit. But we also have a responsibility to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to help each other in that pursuit. In Genesis 4, uh, right after the sin entered the world, we get the story of Cain and Abel, right, where Cain murders his brother. And when God comes and confronts Cain about what he'd done, Cain asks the, the famous question, am I my brother's keeper? Right? And it's, in, in Scripture, it's presented as a rhetorical question. There's no direct answer, but I think the answer is obvious. Yes, we, we are our brother's keeper. We are called to look out for our brothers and sisters in Christ and care for them. Genesis, or excuse me, Galatians also talks about, you know, restoring someone gently and humbly. Right? When someone is struggling, you know, in this case, he's talking spiritual burdens, right? He's talking about someone who's caught in sin. We're called to restore that person gently and also watch out for ourselves so that we also might not be tempted. Right? But notice the goal of it isn't judgment. It's not to put that other person down. The goal of that is restoration. The goal is reconciliation, that that person may be built up, right? That they may turn from their ways, right? And, and be healed, right? That's the ultimate goal. And that's how we bear one another's burdens. Not by, not by heaping more and more burdens on them, but helping them to find the freedom that comes from knowing Christ. Right, when we bear one another's burdens, Paul says that we are all essentially fulfilling the law of Christ. Right, what's the law of Christ? To love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. Right, when we learn to do that, when we treat each other that way, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. So there's a few things I want to encourage you with as we wrap up our time here. Is how do we respond to that? So there's, there's the, the reason we struggle. There's God's response. But where does that leave us? First thing we need to do when we are growing weary, when we are discouraged, is we need to bring our burdens to Christ and find rest for our souls. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of the ways that we, we respond when we're growing weary, when we are discouraged, is not to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's to run to Christ. Find rest. Find encouragement in a relationship with Him. So we need to bring our burdens to Christ. We also need to run the race with endurance and not give up. Think of the, the words from our call to worship, right? To fix our eyes on Jesus, right? The author and perfecter of our faith. And when we do so, we may run the race with perseverance, with endurance, right? You don't, you need perseverance. You need endurance because life is hard, right? It's not always going to be easy. So we need to look to Christ and rely on him for the strength that we need. 
And if, even if the, the world nor ourselves, even if neither you nor the world see the fruit of your labor, know that God sees it. The reward you reap may not be in this lifetime, but it will certainly come in eternity. And so we keep on going. We keep on pursuing Christ. We keep on loving others with a love that we ourselves have experienced in Christ. And we don't give up. And finally, we help our brother and sister in Christ. We want to be the answer to someone else's prayer. right? Those burdens that other people carry, the, the reason that they are weary may be physical. right? They may be some material reason that they are struggling and, and, and there may be opportunities to help there. Or the burden they carry may be spiritual. right? It may not be obvious. It may not be visible. But it could be just as real and just as difficult. And so we need to not only look out for ourselves, but also look out for each other and be the answer to that person's prayer. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And in Hebrews thirteen six, Do not neglect to do good or to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We want to keep working hard, not for ourselves, but for the Lord. Keep striving to serve Him. And remember that your reward is, is not, not earthly things, not material things. It's in the joy of having the Lord say one day, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share your Master's happiness. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the encouragement that it brings. And I thank You, Lord, that though we are weary... We don't have to lose heart because you are our strength and our shield, our ever-present help in trouble. You are the one that we look to, Lord, to, to encourage us and strengthen us so that no matter what we face, whether it's material or physical challenges or spiritual burdens we may carry, we know that we can find rest for our souls in you and in you alone. Help us to experience that for ourselves, but also point others to that reality. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service in, of worship this morning. I invite you to stand with us as we sing our closing praise song. Shout to the Lord. The words are in your bulletin.
Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. You may go in peace. Do you want to encourage all those that are members of the church? We do have a short congregational meeting. Uh, we'll take place here in just a few minutes. Uh, if you're a visitor with us today, thank you for joining with us, and we're so glad you were here. Uh, but I want to encourage all our members to stick around, and we'll get started here in a few minutes.